0: Hey guys, Gary here. Before we get to the show today, I wanted to highlight our sponsor, Sports Engine. Sports Engine's dedicated to making the life of a youth sports volunteer easier. Through their applications, people are able to save time on administrative tasks, allowing them more time to focus on developing their athletes. More than a million teams, leagues, and clubs use Sports Engine every day to run their websites, promote their programs, and to collect signups. They also offer an easy solution for getting uniforms delivered directly to their athletes' homes. It's called Sports Engine Gear, and you can check it out at sportsengine.com forward slash gear to get started. Great. Now, onto our show.
1: You're listening to
0: on the whistle, the podcast that explores the impact that coaches, teachers, and mentors from youth sports organizations and schools have on young people's lives. Let's get into the show. Thanks everybody. And welcome to this installation episode of on the whistle. I'm super excited to introduce Dave Palisle. Dave comes from I kind of what, what I would phrase as a legendary sports mentoring, coaching family, multi-generation coaching family here in Rhode Island. Dave is best known for an uh, ESPN moment at a Little League World Series that went viral and millions and millions of people have watched this video. So we're definitely going to chat with Dave about that video and the things he said and why he chose the words he chose. Additionally, his father, Bill Blyle, is a youth hockey coach, American legend. I think it's the only way to really describe him he had 26 consecutive state titles. I mean, if you can just wrap your head around that, that's a quarter of a century of continuous winning at one event, which is just kind of mind boggling. And then his other brother is a college coach, Peter. And for the program that he's coaching at, you know, he's the most winning coach in the history of that program. So this is a unique coaching family and and a real resource here in our great state, our little great state of Rhode Island. But uh, Dave, welcome to the conversation. Super excited to have you today.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, awesome. So I'm just curious, how did you get exposed to sports as a kid, and and how did it kind of start for you?
1: Well, you mentioned um, my dad, Bill Belisle, the legendary Bill Belisle. But he was my coach for ever since I was a young boy. So he introduced me to Little League Baseball, which uh, you mentioned uh, my involvement in that. That was my first experience uh, of playing ball Uh, and also sports. And then uh, youth hockey. My dad, back in the uh, late 60s, when I started playing hockey, he was a coach for years. I'm, I'm honestly just an assistant coach. And then he in leagues became very heavily involved in Woonsocket, where he played his hockey with, um, among other uh, fathers, they formulated the Woonsocket Youth Hockey Association in the mid, mid 60s. He being from Manville was the only outsider in uh, the city of Woonsocket that was able to play. So he was a pioneer in, in formulating, uh, helped formulate hockey, youth hockey, in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and obviously he being my coach, and my brother, John, at the time, he's one year younger than me, excuse me, older than me. We both played in the Woonsocket Youth Hockey Association. So, And my dad um, was the coach in Manville Little League. So little town of Manville, he was my coach, and in youth hockey, my dad was my coach, who he's been coaching a long time, and we're very, very fortunate, I am. I talked to a bunch of different people that were coached by your father. Yes. And,
0: I've heard things like he totally changed practice. Practices were insane. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of small space practices, seven on zeros. or some expressions I heard and t- tons of constant puck handling and things like that. What was so unique about his approach in your opinion and, and how did it evolve into such a, a winning
1: streak? Yeah, my dad took over the program back in 1974, 75. He was junior high coach, JV coach from 1969 to 70. 275. And in 76 was my junior year. He took over the Mount St. Charles program. That was at the time, believe it or not, I mean, if you look back in the history, it was a two-year period Mount was not playing good hockey. Um, But he came in, he was well known amongst the alumni and what he did at youth hockey. And they wanted to bring the the program, which had won in in 69, 70, and 71. They wanted to bring him uh, up to the uh, the caliber of hockey that they were that they were used to. So he did take over the program in 76, 77, I being part of it, I was the captain in 77. What he did was he instituted on uh, this is good for your program. What my dad took, he made it a simple game for kids. You know, I think the years before people were trying to do too much with kids at such a young age, it was just too complicated. He simplified it. He 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 kept it simple, but he made he put in rather than systems, he put in values he put in uh coaching moments like one he motivated us he, he gave enthusiasm himself he sat you could see the sacrifices that he was well prepared every practice like you just mentioned it was different you never came to the the uh the next practice expecting the same thing what you did expect was you better give a hundred percent of yourself, you know, you got to concentrate, you got to stay disciplined, you've got to work as a team. So those things he taught us, but every practice, I'm telling you, it was about skill. It was about individual and team skills. So the basics of passing and skating and shooting, every single day he would work on our skills. So the reason why his teams won uh, 26 in a row were always well prepared because they outskilled, outworked, Everyone. And it was just, he did it in a simple, simple way. Another thing he did was, and you can't do that today, obviously, was he closed the doors. They were closed doors practices. It was him and his kids. There was no outside interference with parents. And so, you know, it was his boys and him. Questions were were done with after practice, before practice, but on the ice, you were there. It was fair. Best players, were not necessarily gonna play if the effort wasn't there. Or kids with less skill had an opportunity to play if they were gonna give them, themselves to the team. So he always, always had that good balance of teaching. And I think that's the reason why I was so successful. My brother, Peter, who's coaching at UMass Boston. the Reason why we are successful is we take that approach. We take each individual kid um, we teach them skill, but we incorporate the team aspect of it. I think basics are so important to the game of hockey, baseball, football. If you can curtail that basic um, skill that you need to play the game, first of all, you're gonna feel confident because you've got the skill. Secondly, you're gonna be your your teammates are gonna feel confident because you've got the skill. So I think skill, teaching skill, Keeping it simple, and you know, the expectation level should be a, should be for all. Yes, everyone should give hundred percent. But you got to know your students. Your expectation of a kid who's got talent galore, and a boy who you know who needs a lot more than this. This boy who has the talent. You as a coach have got to realize that. So you're you know you got to, to take the boy who's got this incredible skill and psychologically bring them down to the boy who doesn't have as much skill and make them equal mentally. You do that by, you know, encouraging both, but for, you know, getting the the, the kid with the more skill, give him a little more extra than you would the other boy who can't handle it this time. So you bring them together where everyone is on the same playing field. It's an art that my, my father has taught me that it is, Incredible how he he will, if a boy's willing to give himself for the team, work hard, enthusiastic, motivated, gives respect, that boy, no uh, matter what the level of play is, is going to be incorporated in, into his teaching. And every boy should or girl should deserve that chance. And yeah. team, you just can't, and, and I'm telling you, you just can't on the first day determine if that boy can play or not. You know, you've got, to, you've got to figure out his personality, his character. And you as a coach, you know, you've got to give examples. So you've got to be enthusiastic. Nothing worse than playing for a coach who, you know, who's very routine, doesn't look like he's enthusiastic, you know, particularly pays attention to the, all the kids who are really good and the other boys, you know, I'll get them in when I can. That That's not going to make for a good team. I think it's going to bring about, about a lot of uh, dissension. And he was able to take the kids around the ice, you're here, you're excited, you want to work. He brings the energy, you follow my lead, let's go. And I think mm-hmm. that's, you can see you can see me talking and building right now. It's that's what you've got to bring out of kids. If you show up as a dud, you're gonna have a dud practice. If you show a, a, up as a, a military guy, it's my way. And you know, th- this is it, you gotta, yes, it's your way. But you're going to make these kids believe that they have a chance. You're going to make these kids believe that, you know, this team is going to do something really special. It's not about the wins, but we're going to we're going to have something really special in here. We're going to have some success.
0: Dave, you, you touched on so many things already. It's like I I don't know where to start. But I, I want to begin with you and your father. Mm-hmm. Closed door practice, no parents allowed.
1: But you're playing for your dad. Was that difficult? Yes, it was. I think I can imagine so very very difficult I think um, matter of fact when I coach I coach four of my kids I think I I did learn some but you don't you don't learn it until it actually happens I think my dad um, was was able to and when it was very difficult we we butted heads butted heads because his expectation level he he loved me and he wanted me to to be just as good or better I but he had to you know, be tough on me. Decide like, no, you're not getting it because you're Dave Biles' boy. But in the and he pushed me. I think he he wanted me to to do to do better. But he never never paid more attention to me than the other boys, and he never gave me more of a carrot than the other boys. I had to earn everything, and I think going in, I kind of regretted that. It's like, you know, why are you? I thought that why are you so tough on me. He wasn't. He was tough on everybody. <laughs> I took it as a personal because now he's my dad. And you know, but no. He says, son, you know, I only learned this after. He says, you you were a different player in your senior year than your junior year because you know what? You listened. You know, you put out the personal, the personal, you know, father and son relationship. He says, I I wasn't bending. And especially if you know you start giving me an attitude or you start not trying because we have this friction, everybody else is noticing. It. I'm not bending. And that was a tough for me to accept is that I thought that he was you know, pinpointing all his efforts on me, but he really, and in the end, he really wasn't, he was teaching me a good lesson. He says, yeah, it sounds super valuable. That. It is very, and I think um, coach, I'm gonna call you coach too, because I know that this is what the program is about. Going in, this is one of the biggest things I can recommend because, you know, most of your little league teams or your youth hockey teams are coached by fathers who have sons on the team. And you'll see it. And I see it as I get older and I've noticed as I get older, oh my God, you can tell who this son is because there is that back and forth, you know, a little bit of a privilege, non-privilege. There's a little, you know, they're, they're battling one another, but he really, and they, the kid's playing more. It, it's got. It, it can't be that way. If you're going to volunteer or if you're going to coach, and you know, it's the most difficult thing. Because I did it with my four boys, and boy, I had a tough time. And I grew with that. Finally, I got it right with the fourth one. <laughs> <My> <laughs> four boys. You gotta. It's, it's an even playing field. You gotta leave out the, pers- the person, The personal. How well you want your son to be. You gotta do that. You know. And you. You can't bring that to your practice. You cannot bring that to your practice because one, the other kids notice. Two, the other coaches notice. And more importantly, the parents notice. And it just causes a lot of friction and a lot of, oh, I know why he's playing. And that's the worst thing you can do for your son is to have someone say, I know the only reason why you're playing is because your father's the coach. So that's important that you make sure that when you go and do your thing, whether you're a coach or not, and you have a child on the team, you know, try to bring him, he's not your son. He's one of your players. And that's the most difficult. What, what advice would you give to parents about how to interact with coaches
0: during youth sports and their children and what's their relationship to the coach, but more importantly, what's their responsibility as a parent to the team and the players and the other parents? What's the best advice? I mean, how many years have you been coaching and how many kids, parents programs have you
1: witnessed? Well, I mean, coaching with my dad in, in uh, hockey since 1980. And that was uh, my junior year at Providence College. I got cut from the Providence College hockey team by Lou Lamorello, but it, justifiably that they were a juggernaut. And, but I went to go coach with my dad back in 1980. And I, and I actually was coaching kids who I actually played hockey with. <laughs> but so when I first started coaching, I was young, I was aggressive, I didn't know it was the parent thing. All I care about was winning, you know? And then as I grew older in the years, years following, more so after my dad got hurt in 1983, fractured his skull. So I was forced into, you know, a 20 year old taking over this juggernaut program. I just won six in a row. And that's what I had at the time. They had won six in a row. I was like, oh my God, what am I? But I grew and I learned that, listen, it's, it's about the kids, you know, and I was fortunate enough that we had closed doors. So I didn't have to deal with parents, but then, As baseball came along, Little League Baseball, you really have to deal with parents because it's wide open field. They're there. They're listening. You know, you can't exclude them out of everything. So what I learned from Little League Baseball and also from hockey, from youth hockey, is that you practice, you keep it simple, but you've got to give time to the parents, not during the practice, not during the games. You find a time when you can meet with them separately uh, hopefully face-to-face away and often if it's a, if it's a situation where the boy is not playing well and he's frustrated and there's and there could be some friction with you and the parent it's best to give it a day just make sure you communicate look let's talk about this and the thing you've got to realize is is that you, when you're explaining it no matter what you got to explain it that one he's one of my boys i care for him you know and you got to you got to be point, point blank, blank with them, this is what he's at, this is what he needs to improve on, and if he does, you know, you know, good things are gonna happen. I says, you know what, I cannot, you gotta explain to them right from, and the first practice to the last practice, you know, you you need to communicate with your parents that first and foremost, please don't get involved during a game or during a practice. You need to speak to me. Let's talk. Civilized. Like I said, maybe after the practice, day later, I'll give you some, some insight of your son, what I think he needs to be. But I think the most important message is, is before you get to that point, you got to communicate to the boy or the girl. He needs to know where he stands. And if you isolate him or don't play him, you can't just let him sit there and think why you have to give the reason. You show it by demonstrating and coaching him away from those deficiencies. And you need to get him to a point where, or her to get him back on the field. How do you do that? Well, you know, he's afraid of the ball when he's hitting. Well, maybe if, you know, if you work with him, you know, say, listen. Why don't you stay a, a little bit afterwards, and we'll and we'll we'll work on how how you're you're afraid of the ball, and in you know you don't do it you know right in front of the whole team. So maybe some personalized you know tutelage away from the, the teammates. But when you when you're part of when you're on the field with these kids, you you, you gotta try to make them all involved. But like I mentioned to you before, so that. You know, they're there because they want to play the game. And if they're not playing, hopefully, hopefully you have communicated to all the parents. And I do this when I coach, when I used to coach my all-star teams for baseball. And I told them, I said, listen, I hope you can accept this because if you can't, you know, then you, you, it's not a good idea for your son to play. Some boys are going to play two innings and they're going to sit. Other boys are going to play the whole game. I said, I, I don't know who that's going to be, but it, that's the way it's going to be. I said, but I can guarantee you this, your, your boy is going to have fun. He's going to feel like he's part of a team. And if he doesn't, then you, you come talk to me, but you have to set the guy rule. You can't go in there and pick an all-star team, whatever it is, or you're paying all this money up, up front. And next thing you know, you know, you get the money and next thing you know, the kid doesn't play a game. Then he doesn't play the next game. But if you told the parents, listen, you know, you're paying this amount. I don't know if he's gonna play. <laughs> They're willing to dish out the money then. You got you got set, you gotta set what the expectation level of each of, 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 of these people are. So Dave, let's transition to the uh to the
0: moment that went viral in uh I think it's 2014. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were coaching a team from Cumberland, Rhode Island That's right. that made its way down to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who haven't seen the video, it's been watched a couple gazillion times, certainly over a million times. You can Google Dave Belisle ESPN or Dave Belisle Little League World Series and it'll pop right up. And it's a fascinating moment. It's kind of like an American moment in my mind. Baseball being America's game you taking the role of America's coach, and the boys taking the role of the boys of summer, and this greatly American play. And the video starts off with the announcer, Joe, I think it's Joe Buck, kind of saying something along the lines of, and that brings an end to a great run by this really special team, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can see you have your thumb and your forefinger holding your mouth, your top like your lips together, in deep thought. And you can see you are looking very pensive. And I think what I see in that video is a guy trying to figure out what he's about to say to some really important kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So tell us a little bit about the team and tell us what was going on in your mind as that video kicks off
1: yeah I um first of all at that moment right there on that ESPN moment uh, what they do with the managers of those any manager that comes to Williamsport, Park Pennsylvania they do mic them up and you're allowed to you know turn it off or turn it on whenever they, they need be or they they have the, the capability of turning it on and turning it off themselves. so when that game e- ended and what I I've done throughout that whole summer and what I done as a little league coach is after every practice, Take my my boys to the outfield, left field, right field, wherever the closest dugout is, and go over. You know what we did right, what we did wrong. You know what our, our, our next venture is gonna be, and and basically go over the things that you know we did well and we need to improve on, and then at the end, um, put our hands in, and then we're gonna go home. And we're gonna have some fun. Practice is over. It's done. It's, it's always been that way. My dad taught me that. He says we're gonna have practice, and when it's over, it's over. So this particular moment, we had just lost to Jackie Robinson of uh, the Great Lakes in. Uh, it was the semifinals, and it was a tough. It was a tough loss. It was an unbelievable baseball game. So when the game, the game ended, I, I. You, when you when you lose such a heartbreaking game and you know the end is there, um, you don't you don't know about a mic or what a mic's on or what. They liked the mic on me because I was I was I was you know I was enthusiastic. I was good with my kids. I, you know, I I, I said some some stuff that it was coming from the heart. But when the when the game ended, my I, you you hit it right. I I this is it. I'm this is. But going up to that point and what you don't realize is as I'm, I'm walking out there, um, there was a lot to... The emotions that were going through me that that particular summer, because that particular summer, back in in May of that summer, I coached a 2011 team that went to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, also, uh, and we had an unbelievable summer that year. As a family, my wife, my 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 older boys would pitch to my kids, and we just spent not only we every day on the practice field, but we'd also spend talking and, and reminiscing on the dinner table. And it just seemed to bring my, my family, all these families together. And we had this community behind us in come when we went up to 2011, it was an incredible experience. It just brought this, this whole state of Rhode Island was, was, was following us. And, and it was, it was fabulous. It was like, uh, it was like a dream come true. It, that's why they call it the dream, the world series. You feel like a major leaguer. So in two thousand fourteen, uh, unfortunately, in two thousand thirteen, my wife uh, um, was diagnosed with, with with colon cancer, and um, so it was. There's decision time for the league to make a this des- decision. They want me to coach this two thousand fourteen team because we the previous year we had won the the, the championship at eleven year olds and we were re- we were really good, and I told I had told them that night when they asked me I can't do it uh, because of m- my wife, uh, she's too sick and. I can't do this to, to her and they totally understood. So my assistant, I said, please ask Matt Wright, who was my assistant, have him take off, you know, have him take the team. So when I came home that evening, Johnny was selected and, but he went upstairs and he told his mother uh, that, you know, mom, I made the team, but daddy's not going to coach. So I was downstairs and there was a, it was, I not remember And it's, it's emotional because she screamed from upstairs says, David, and so I went up there and Johnny wants you to go downstairs. And she was, you know, she she was resting in her bed, and uh, she, you know, she was fighting a fight. Unbelievable woman. I mean, that she is. she she gave me more strength to live for for the rest of my life than any woman I know. She looked at me and said, "Don't do this to me, and don't do this to this family." I said, well, "What are you talking about?" John just told me, "You're not going to coach that team, and you're gonna you're gonna bring that upon this family." It said, "No, you're going to coach that team." And you're going to bring the excitement that was that was here years ago. And I want these my house to be happy like it was in 2011. I'm good. I got this. Mom, my, my mom's gonna you know mom's gonna help me, and my sisters are gonna help me, and, and you will be to help me. But you're gonna coach that team. You can't do this, to Johnny. It says you can't. He's looking forward to this. And I said, said, no question about it. So I did. I coached that team, and everybody on that team, those kids, and every every parent. Knew my, my wife's situation, but it just seemed to bring about an energy and appreciation for life. Every single practice we would work, and I was I didn't change. I was hard on them, but I loved them, and my it just seemed that support was even more than I've ever ever gotten. And my my wife stayed at home and she waited for the kids, and she was happy, and because the kids were happy. So leading up to that point, that day the World Series. The commissioner and a good friend of my wife's Irene had flown my wife because she was back home to Williamsport unbeknownst to me so that morning she surprised me and John by being there and it was that one of the happiest moments of our lives because I, I didn't how she did that how she got there she was there because she wanted to let Johnny know that you know I want to be there for you and 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 a mommy's okay, you have nothing to worry about, so when I went out to that field, I had these emotions, this appreciation of life, and everything that, you know, my father taught me, all these, everything these, these parents, and these kids gave to me, you know, and I didn't want to let them go, I know, I said, you know, I, the, 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 the score didn't matter at that point, I just didn't want to let them go, I was just, it was, they were, they were my kids, you know what I mean, I, So you'll hear some things like, you know, we fought and, you know, no reason why I'm going to cry is I'm not going to be able to coach you anymore. So all these emotions are coming out and, you know, and, but what they did was they did, they, they brought so much pride, pride to their coach, proud to their town, you know, proud to my, my wife. I said, you, you brought something that, no other team can bring that. You hear that. It's true. No other team could bring that. It says, you know, we fought as hard as we can and we're, and we're gonna have more fun. Just like I did. We're gonna, when this game game's over, we're gonna go out in the globe. And what are people gonna say about you? You're awesome. You are, you're awesome. So that whole speech captivated. in believe me, to get to that speech, you got to, one, you got to have, you got to be blessed with, you know, parents. And I had blessed with parents that, that believe in you. One, you're going to learn by your mistakes. And I made a lot of them coaching. I'm not going to go through them, but I was, sometimes I was way too tough. On these kids, but as you grow, you know you learn, and then you realize that it's a privilege to coach. And I think these these co- younger coaches, they won't get that to maybe they get a little older. It's such a privilege to be able to nurture and teach young young adults the game that you know and that you can share the right way. And remember, the game—it's a game. It's not their life. They're playing it. It's a game. You want to make them the best player they can be, but more importantly, you got to remember, you know, we're going to give it a shot to win. But if you know, if, if we give it everything we have and we play together as a team, you got to go shake their hands and say, you know what, you beat us today, but we'll get you next time. You know, whatever that may be, we'll go practice and we'll try it again. But if you don't, you know, as a coach, you've got to be the better person. You can't take in and I hey, look 2011. My perspective of 2011 was different than 2014. I was like a kid. I was, i going to the Little League World Series, you know and I mean, I want to win the Little. Oh my God, I can't believe we're here. The second time I went, I had a more of appreciation. I realized I was blessed. I was blessed with these kids. I'm blessed with an unbelievable life. Sometimes you forget things how how, how good things are it's when either someone dies or someone's sick, and or something that you had you don't have anymore, and then you say, Oh my. So that's, that's what I was going to I said, oh my God, I'm going to enjoy this moment. So every practice I enjoyed and every game I enjoyed. And, you know, that last moment on that field, I said, I'm going to enjoy because, you know, and I'm enjoying life right now because that's what my wife, my wife dictated to me and showed me with her strength uh, to, to go on and and live to the last second. You know, she lived for her kids. And as a coach, you know what? They're your kids. You know, you volunteered for this or they chose you. You know, do the best you can. You know, do your homework, prepare yourself. But get ready. You're gonna have kids who are gonna get upset. They little their little hearts are gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna be down, they're gonna be too high. You know, you're gonna have, you know, parents intervening. You're gonna be the traffic controller. But if you can do it, you can do it if you come with the right attitude. I think start it starts with the coach. It's gotta hey. have
0: I didn't know that backstory before we went into this conversation today. I didn't realize that there was this massive personal pressure or problem surrounding you and your family going into the World Series and that ESPN moment. I had no idea. Now I'm going to read a quote from your speech. It says, I love you guys. I'm going to love you forever. You've given me the most precious moment of my athletic and coaching career. And I've been coaching a long time and I'm getting to be an old man. I need memories like this. I need kids like you. You're all my boys. You're the boys of summer. Hearing that in the context of what you just described to us and our listeners really grounds those statements.
1: Mm-hmm. It really does. And maybe as you can see, uh, going into this, and as it's as it's slipping away from me, like my wife is slipping away from me, I says you, I'm never gonna forget this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love you forever, and you've given me the greatest moment because you made me realize how blessed I am. I'm I so don't excited. think, David, all the conversations. I'm sorry to interrupt you. In all the conversations
0: I've been focusing on what's right for the kid and what's good for the community, and how coaches and mentors spend so much time sacrificing themselves for kids and community and parents alike but just reading this i need memories like this i need kids like you you got something out of this you needed it oh. it's not a one-way street you're for all the energy you're putting out i feel like you're getting it back in spades mm-hmm. and it's satisfying you and your soul and your and your personality and and life mm-hmm. it sounds so gratifying the way you're describing it you're so energized about it today it's 2020 mm-hmm. and i'm looking at you for those who can't see him this guy i'm sitting on a zoom meeting obviously due to the social distancing but he's got a huge smile across his face and behind them there's pictures of kids in different uniforms and different sports and mm-hmm. the whole wall is covered with almost like a gallery of obviously personal family events and yep. your kids and your and your sports and everything and it's just
1: it's an amazing, it's an amazing story, Dave. It really is. Amazing part is my wife. She realized that when she said, "You're going to coach that team," because she knew Johnny needed it, but more importantly, she knew that I needed it, and that's how much she loved me. And uh, in the end, you just said something um, when I was t- saying those words, "Man, did I need this?" You know, that make me realize how blessed I am. Yeah.
0: Hey. So one
1: question that I lo- I love to ask people that I talk to
0: and. It's a relatively simple question, but you coached and played in hundreds, if not thousands of games. Mm. And I'm just curious, after all the games that you've coached and played and what did you gain more from? Wins or the losses,
1: Dave? I think the losses, uh, and I always tell this story and the people who were there that, that particular night and probably don't have what me and my father have, but when you win 26 state championships in a row, Uh, You you see the the hard work, but what you also see is, um, and I always saw that with my dad after every championship that we won time and time again, he was always there for the opponents coming over and hugging him, the opposing teams, because he was a class act, my dad, and he cared about his players and he was glad he won. Nobody was more exuberant, but he also respected, always respected the other team. So in the game that finally the streak came to end, we got beat by Togate In when the game ended, I always remember this moment. My eyes were on the other team from for that brief moment. You know what? And I saw how excited they were and how happy they were. And I they deserved that moment. It wasn't me to soak to soak in in. You know, I said, I can't believe the street Get the net. I said, look at these kids. I said, oh my God, I am so happy for them. And then right away I turned to my kids and we talked to our kids and said, listen, and then I remember telling it because I used to speak a lot for my dad towards, towards the end of his career. And I said, listen, this may be the proudest moment of my coaching career uh, and coaches' culture. I know it is because you guys handle that loss with so much class. I says, there's no team that worked just as hard as you. That you guys gave it everything you had, and the pressure that you guys are under, and the way you handled it, and you stood there and you watched. I says, the other team celebrate. I says, that's what builds character. I said, you know what? It's 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 easy to win. I says, you know, at the games over, it's easy to celebrate. I says, but boy, you know, it's really really tough to lose and says and I told him I says you know who the last captain was who lost the state championship it was me (laughs) it was me and I feel what you're going through I feel that maybe I don't because you 26 in a row and then you lose but I will tell you this I told him I says I stand here prouder than ever of being the Mount St. Charles hockey coach because we got a team that did exactly what Coach Bilal wanted them to do. They played Mount style. They played it for three periods and they gave it everything they had and they played for the team, not for themselves. And as a coach, that's all I can ask for. And a lot of that speech was given to those boys in that little league field. I always remember that it's, it's, it wasn't about the score. It was about the way that my kids, you know, behaved all year long, just like any other Mount teams. And the answer your question that may have been the most satisfying, satisfying moment of my co career was seeing how well my team acted after losing such a, such a devastating, what, you know, so-called devastating game. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a, it was a great, it was a great teaching moment that yes, it's a, it's a, it's, I think you get a lot more out of the losses than you do out, out of the wins. You really do. You get to, especially if you get to the, the top of the pinnacle and then you do, then you do lose because you brought this energy and this enthusiasm, this teamwork to the pinnacle. And if there's a team that beats you out there, you know, then you can shake, shake, shake his hand because, hey, we gave it all we got, you know, and. You know congratulations you know it's not easy it's a great game about hockey they shake they get in there after battling one another and they and they then they shake hands and you can see this as much as they you know this it there was a couple guys that really went at it all you know it there was some talking whatever it may be when the game ends you could see the sincerity of the guy who just won talking to the person who lost or back and forth there's that moment where you know what we played this game hard you know congratulations you won and i'm sure you know, as they're going through, he said, yeah, but it was, nobody should have lost this, you know, it just, the respect. I think that's what I felt when I, when we lost that day.
0: David, this has been a great conversation. I think for every family and child that you coached or, or mentored, they should be, and I'm sure they are eternally grateful for the work that you and your dad and your brothers have done uh, for both your local community. And I mean, some of the guys that you guys have coached have gone into the NHL first round draft picks. I mean, this is no light affair. And the moment that was captured of you on ESPN is in some ways breathtaking. So Dave, thanks so much for providing our listeners today a real instruction on class and dignity and respect and hard work and the love of coaching and the love of family. And for that, we're, we're eternally grateful. Thanks so much, Dave. It's been a privilege. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to On the Whistle. For more, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit us at onthewhistle.com.